for those. By the way, <laughs> I googled hypnotic suggestion, and there are seven places in San Antonio that you can go to, and I just found that creepy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Geek Chew. I'm Eamon. And I'm Charlene. And today we're going to be talking about Dark Horse Comics, Mulan, Revelations, and Vertigo Comics, Effigy. But uh, before that, I don't know, I've got a lot of like TV news and movie news that I just wrote down and I wanted to hit on that. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? I don't know. I've been watching The Strain, the first season. Yeah. Like four or five episodes in. It's very interesting. Creepy. Which I like. Yeah. I don't know. That's pretty much all I've been doing, other than keeping up with The Bachelorette. That show's crazy. Yeah. You bring that up like every episode. You must be really enjoying The Bachelorette. (laughs) Yeah. I am. But, uh, yeah, so, True Detective. Oh, yeah. We talked about it last episode and our plans for the future um we didn't get to record last week so i got a little extra time to watch some of the first season i'm about five and a half five and a half episodes in uh out of eight episodes uh on the first season it's very good and we've both been watching the second season Mm -hmm. uh the third episode was on tonight but we watched as above so below instead um, but, uh, I don't know. The, the first season is very good. It is pretty much what I expected it to be. The second season, I think is a noticeable drop off. Really? Oh yeah. And we should, I guess, mention that you did not watch any of the first season as not was the plan. Oh, <laughs> but it's, uh, Yeah, the first season is just, so far, much more interesting to me. And uh, obviously the acting is really good. It's really beautifully shot. Um, And while the two seasons aren't related, pretty much the only underlying current I see is just this kind of meaninglessness of (laughs) carrying on with life. You know, it's... Oh, that's um, depressing. Yeah, it's not like a... Feel-good show? No, it doesn't seem like it is. You know, Matthew McConaughey has, like, a lot of um, monologues kind of carrying on, like, an emo college student who's kind of depressed about life. And it doesn't really come off that way because it's Matthew McConaughey, but if you listen to the words, that's kind of what it sounds like. (laughs) He does a a good job of uh, sprucing it up. Um, But... Yeah, so ultimately, first season, I'm ex- I'm looking forward to finishing it, and you probably will never watch it. No, I really want to watch it. <laughs> it's just, like, I don't want to just, like, plug in when I'm here with the kids during the day, and then, like, I get home, and it's not a good time. So, it's, just, it's tough to fit it in right now. Well, what do you think about the second is. season? It's so boring. I'm just really bored. 
I mean, like, there are some things I like about it. Um, I love Rachel McAdams. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, I mean, like, she does a good job. I like that she's not, like, the, playing the kind of role that we usually see her in. And so it's a little bit more interesting and definitely grittier. Um, it's, but it's like, it is, it's, it's really depressing and it's just sort of like, nobody's super likable. <sighs> yeah. Second just, season's tough to swallow so far. You can kind of push that aside in the, in the first season with some of the stuff that makes up for. I'm not super interested in the mystery of it all. I'm like, the crime that's taken place. Like I'm not, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. I mean, I'm going to keep on going with it. Give it a good try, but it's only okay for, like, I mean, it's boring for me. Maybe it's not my kind of thing. Um, but there's, I guess that's it for true detective. I mean, it's really second season unimpressive. First season is good. Um, but, uh, they're for some reason after 22 years or so, they, uh, starting to shoot an Ash versus Evil Dead TV series for stars. Sam Raimi's going to direct really? the first episode. Oh, you know what? I heard something about this. I think it was on an interview. No. Maybe. Or maybe they were just, no, I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> And uh, Scream TV series on MTV. No, you're kidding. Yeah, I wish I was. I'm, I'm not. Um, so yeah, there's there's some there's some interesting movie news and then and TV news and then some other things like Scream for MTV, <laughs> which is not. Uh, but I don't know. Top Gun Two. No, it's it's coming. Yeah, with Tom Cruise. What? And then I have this little note that says, that is all. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's really all you need to know. (laughs) Uh, But I guess Joseph Gordon-Levitt has been working on bringing Sandman, you know, Neil Gaiman Sandman, to to movie format as producer-director. That is something that completely interests me. Yeah, it sounds like they're getting closer and closer. I mean, I don't think they're green lit or anything yet. They, he had a, a Reddit AMA um, a week or two ago mm-hmm. where he answered some questions about it, and he did give like a, a warning that they're going to be recontextualizing and consolidating the story. You know, it's yeah. it's too much to fit in one movie, but he tried to assure everybody that it's going to stay true to the basic foundation of the story. And he thinks that, you know, bringing it to the the big screen is definitely the way to go as opposed to a television series, um, just because of the things you can do in a movie. But, hmm. um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like exceptionally talented and I love like anything that Neil Gaiman writes. So yeah. I'm on board. And San Diego Comic-Con is this coming weekend, so we'll probably have a lot to talk about next show. 
lots of news will yeah. be popping up. And do they they make a lot of announcements over? Yeah, typically. Yeah, so that'll be exciting. Yeah, one of the one of the announcements that's rumored. There's rumors for announcements for the Comic Con. Okay. Is uh, you know Chris Pine was. Um, being rumored to play Steve Trevor in the Wonder Woman movie. Yes. And there's a speculation now that that was kind of floated out there as a misdirect and that he's actually going to be the new Green Lantern. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, the Hal Jordan Green Lantern. And then, you know, they might possibly also be using uh, Tyrese Gibson as the Jon Stewart Green Lantern. So they're going to just... Sounds like they're working on a Green Lantern that was... um, more focused on the core than just one person and also maybe handled a little bit better than it was in the Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. The one that came out a couple years ago. Um, and the justice league script was just finished. The movie Zack Snyder and his co-writer just finished writing that. And the most important rumor for me is that it looks like Ben Affleck's probably going to direct the standalone Batman movie that he's going to be Batman in. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Obviously, looking forward to that. I've taken a calling Ben Affleck Batman no matter what the context. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess for TV and movies, that's about it. Yeah, I guess we'll... Move on to Mulan Revelations, which is uh, a new Dark Horse Comics uh, series. Number one just came out a couple weeks ago. And uh, one of the first things that I... It's, there's not a lot of information out there, like, as far as articles and previews and stuff and interviews. I couldn't really find much. Um, so one thing I thought was weird was... Like, there's three names on the cover. There's Robert Alter, Mark Andreco, and Micah Kinoshiro. Mm-hmm. And the only credit I can see given to Robert Alter is creator. It's co-writer. Mm, yeah, I've, I've never seen co-writer by his name, though. Not even on the cover? On the inside page? That's what I... I don't know. I, that may be the one place I didn't look. <laughs> but uh-huh. it seems like, for the most part... It was maybe his idea, and then Mark Andreco, who's written Batwoman, or who's writing Batwoman, I think, um, is is the writer and the artist is Micah Kinoshiro, who who did Blackout. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as the book goes, I mean, it kind of came out without much fanfare, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. I I didn't even. It, it's strange that we even kind of happened upon it because I was just looking at the email I get little new re- new releases for um for the week and just kind of popped out like maybe because it said Mulan I might have been looking for stuff for our daughter Reed or what but, right uh I mean basically it's uh the writer described it as fifth element meets born hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah, it's it's about basically a descendant of the legendary Mulan from China. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, we'll see exactly how she ties into 
the um, Mulan of legend, I guess, as the series goes on. But uh, I mean, the book starts out in China in 500 BC with the original Mulan, and it just dives right into this battle. And then uh, a few pages in, it jumps forward to 2125. And the basic story is there's this uh, techno rejection virus that infects all the tech implants and all the future people. (laughs) Almost everybody has Mm -hmm. some kind of tech implant. And um, I guess it said like 80% of the Earth's inhabitants have some kind of tech implant. And uh, as this virus spreads, there are different factions looking for cures. And um, I mean, that's the basic driving force of the plot. But going back to the, the first opening scene, I really liked how they introduced the Mulan that they are building in the story. And and the art was... Um, it's kind of different. The art really kind of reminded me and took me a while to even make this comparison, but kind of reminds me of the mercenary sea art. Really? Yeah. Where it's got, I mean, not like it's not quite so animation cell kind of thing, but it's like really thick outlines and it's got this. I don't see it. Yeah. Um, but I really liked, uh, how they drew the action. Like, you know, the first, there's this first huge spread page and, in the very uh, second page, I think where, you know, it's this huge battle scene and the guy's getting his head lopped off and you can tell that it's like spinning through the air because the blood is in like a helix as it's flying from the body. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, there's a, another frame where Mulan is turned around and throwing an ax and you can just, it's really clear what's happening as the action progresses. So what I don't really get is like what those ghostly dudes are. Yeah, I got, I wrote down like the bads and like a question mark. It seems like they're, they're demons, demons from hell is exactly what it says. Yes. But it doesn't (laughs) really say what the like sort of translucent, white ghosty looking figures are except for that they're the good guys. Yeah. I mean, I think those are like the, just the ancestral spirits kind of like, um, kind of like you see in like the Disney Mulan, except everything's kind of more battle centric and warrior driven in the comic book. But, uh, I mean, that was the impression that I got and that they are there they're infused with some kind of power or they're infusing Mulan with some kind of power. I don't get what they do to her either. Yeah. Well, I don't think you're supposed to understand. I think it's Okay. Um, I just wasn't sure if I was just something that's going to be revealed as the story goes on. And then it jumps forward to the future with the descendant of Mulan and um kind of starts to lay out the world as it is in the future and all the technology that's, uh, you know, part of the everyday life and how that's affecting people when this virus is spreading through not just China, but the whole world. And, um, I don't know. I thought a lot of the stuff in the future was cool. Like the, um, 
the way she gets around, like her transport, I thought was another good uh, depiction of action. How just how they drew her kind of riding this flying bike uh, yeah. through the cities. But I like the that they used the 3D printer for clothing. I thought that was you know it's a yeah. lot of like um, That's a lot be. of 3D printing in in the news. I mean, it's an interesting world that they're in and when i looked up some stuff on it it was described as cyberpunk i didn't really know that that genre had a name yeah it didn't strike me as an accurate description well i mean it must cyberpunk be because is that's what they're going for is is uh so i looked up a definition and it's a subgenre of science fiction where high-tech meets like low life and there's like a breakdown of social order and certain you know like almost like a caste system type thing where there's like really really advanced technology but also like extreme poverty on the other end yeah. which i think describes this book i just yeah. didn't know that that was and so i would have thought it would be an accurate description if i had bothered to look up <laughs> cyberpunk because i mean i have that like written down here you know mulan she she comes from a family with money, yeah. but she kind of uh, doesn't take that for granted. And she she has a job in the ER, and she as volunteers. She's, yeah, as she's working there, they kind of reveal this caste system in this futuristic China where it's almost like spatially represented. Like mm-hmm. they're like, you know, it seems like it's. Um, I'm trying to think of another story where they use this kind of, you know, the rich people are, well, you know, they just like build the fifth up. Element. It is like the fifth element, uh-huh. kind of like Rye, maybe also the, uh-huh. the comic book uh, Valiant. Um, but uh, yeah. And so I don't know, she's working at the ER. They have some kind of disturbance and, um, you know, and she, we find out she has magic blood. Yeah, blood of the immortals that cures this techno virus, which yeah. is, uh, I guess, the the big bads in the beginning. Those demons from hell, are, I think, are the same villains two thousand twenty five hundred well, years I think later that they're descended from. You think because they? it said some, they said something about their parents. Did it? It did. Yeah, I must have missed that. But but I also this, so they're the ones that created this virus. Is sort of the impression that I get. Yeah, it sounds like. And that they because they're lost running this corporation over. You know. Yeah, they it, wanted to introduce the virus and then make money off of the cure. Right. Which sounds like a good business model if you have the cure handy <laughs> and ready to go. Yeah, and if you ignore ethics, but, right? You know. I mean. <laughs> Uh, morality to morality. It's, um, I don't know. It, it's, it's a really good book. I thought, um, very interested in, in the way forward. It, yes. Me um, too. Cause there's a lot that happens right at the end. Yes. That it just all of a sudden like rushes into, it doesn't feel rushed. I don't want to say rushed, but like all of a sudden things just start happening and there's no like wait. So, well, I mean, we have to wait because now we have to wait for the next issue. But, you know, things just start moving from 
you know, in 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 a realistic way, I would think that if there's all this technology, that things would happen in sort of a faster, you know, time frame. Yeah. So. Yeah. It. I mean, it's. Um, towards the end, they introduce her uncle, who's been, I guess, uh, in charge of preparing her, although she doesn't know it for for the future that, you know, is obviously coming to a descendant of Mulan who needs to protect, in this case, everybody, not just China, but, you know, mm-hmm. save the world. But it, uh, it, it does. It ends in a, a very cliffhanger fashion, and I want to see mm-hmm. what happens next, not just um, in that scene, but through the, through the series, because I thought it was... Uh, Right. I thought it was very... And I like the character, you know? Yeah. I mean, she's compassionate and... Um, I don't know. She, you know, caring, I guess, is the same thing as compassionate, really. But, yeah. you know, taking care of others and that kind of thing. So, I don't know. Did you have anything else for Mulan? Not really. I mean, there's a lot in there, but there's a lot, and I like it, but I couldn't really and I read it twice you know I just I think maybe after if I I will have more to say after reading another issue I guess and yeah. I can like mull over it a little bit more so but yeah I like it yeah um so the other book we were going to talk about was Effigy from Vertigo which is written by Tim Seeley who does revival, which we mm-hmm. are uh, continuing very up to date on. We mm-hmm. <laughs> follow closely. He also writes uh, Grayson, uh, and the art is by uh, Marley Zarconi, who is, I guess this is her first ongoing series. The only other, or the only credit that I have written down here is Madame Zandadu, which I'm I don't even know really what that is but um yeah effigy is i guess six issues in they just finished their first arc mm-hmm. and uh you want to talk about a book that has a lot going on this yeah has, it does this has a lot going on uh, i mean basically the main character is chandra jackson who was a tv child star in this TV show, like an after-school live-action TV show called Star Cops. Very, like, Power Rangery. Yeah. And uh, basically, you know, she's grown up and deals a lot with what happened uh, to her from being a star child to... um, or a child star. Yeah. <laughs> star child sounds like something else, but I know yeah. what you meant. <laughs> and, um, you know, she has this sex tape scandal and uh, winds up back in her hometown of Effigy Mound, Ohio. And she becomes a real cop. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, basically in the first issue, the mystery starts um, with this murder they find the victim buried in this thousand-year-old burial mound. 
and she looks like she's, she's been, been dead. Mummified. Yeah, mm-hmm. dead for a while, but it's a it's a recent murder, and I like how they they bring uh, Chandra in kind of believably because she has this marking on her that is from the Star Cops TV show, and mm-hmm. they call her in as kind of a consultant to to the to the murder just to try to get a you know some more information i don't know what did you think um i don't i wasn't sure how to even like start to go at the series so far because there's so much going on like what i did was i wrote down like some of the conflicts going on through the book um i don't know i guess there, there were like um some cool things that i really liked um I like the like one to one panel conversations with Chandra and like just I don't know if she's talking to us or if she's supposed to be talking to like a camera. The one to one Yeah, it's like nine oh, panel. Yeah, the nine panel. Yeah, that was yeah. one of the um It's interesting and it's cool because you don't know like what I don't know, I found I was always surprised like What's the other layer, like another layer of who she is? And like at first she's not very likable, but then you, you know, I mean, I grew to really like her and respect her, you know, obviously has issues. Um, I thought that that there was some like weird uncanny stuff that I'm just, I'm still not sure about. Like, I think I have to go back and look. I'm not exactly sure what happened to that original murdered person or like you know like if it got like really solved or well they didn't find out who murdered her but they kind of tracked down why she was murdered yeah she was posting on that right Um, but i think that like the case had it where it was the guy that like one guy but anyway i don't know I'm right. gonna, it's a little unclear, but also because I didn't go back and read it a second time. Yeah. To, I, to you know, back to back, I was I've been reading it as it came out. But there's like a lot of weird, like sort of astral projection, body snatching type stuff going on, which is cool but weird, and I don't know. It's it seems like. Yeah, well, I think going back and reading it a second time is is almost a necessity. I I, I did, and it was um, I picked up a lot more, mm-hmm. like for that nine the nine panel, basically like confessionals. Mm-hmm. It looked like it looked. That's what it reminded me of, like a, a real world confessional booth kind of mm-hmm. um, thing. And that's I guess one of the things that Tim Seeley was was going for was. Um, not only exploring fame and how famous people relate to the world and, and how people kind of, um, deify famous people, but, uh, how it affects those famous people. And, uh, basically one of the things, one of the themes of the, of the book is what is actually reality for her. Right. Like what is really happening to her? And, like, I mean, those yeah. nine panel pages really make it seem like it's just another reality show. But I mean, to, at the end of the at the end of the series, 
it, it kind of shows you what she's doing. She's basically just contextualizing things for herself and talking to herself in a mirror. Right. I, there's, there's a lot there. I feel like it's really yeah. um, complex and there's a lot to sort of uncover. Um, I don't know if I'll go back and read it just because there's so much that, you know, but like, I think to get the most out of it, I probably should. Um, but I'll want to keep reading as it keeps coming out and it'll be difficult for me to just like go back and start over. But yeah, well, one of the, I mean, some of the, the conflicts that I had written down was one was just, um, the basic Chandra versus her, her mom. Who's just this terrible... Crazy lady. Yeah, person She's who... a horrible person. Right. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, what, do they, the, what do they call them? The momager? Oh, yeah. that's a new term. Right. Something <laughs> I would never actually say if it wasn't written where I was doing my quote-unquote research for the... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, basically... A parent who projects her uh, wanted life onto her child and kind of pushes. I mean, it's really kind of disgusting um, the further into the story you get and mm-hmm. see what her mom is, is doing and pushing her towards. But um, the other one was, you know, Chandra teams up with this detective, uh, Grant Moore. I like her team up with Edie better. Yeah. I mean, the, the three of them are sort the of The introduction like- for for Detective Moore was, was pretty funny where, you know, it's one of those, um, situations I think where you would, um, I would feel very uncomfortable if I was witnessing it in person, just like I right. was when yeah. I was reading it. Cause I'm like, I see what's going on here, but, uh, yeah, but it's also one of those, like, it's one of those character things for this person who used to be a star where, and it's in the first issue where I think you would probably make you feel like you didn't really like her all that much, but as yeah. the story continues, you know, more is revealed, but, you know, basically they're working the case of the murder and kind of leads to the person. Um, and you know, they talk a lot in the book about coincidence and what is coincidence and how Mm -hmm. much does coincidence factor in whatever. But basically it looks like at this point, the, um, the big bad of this story is the dude who wrote, the show the star cops show um what was his name lawrence uh lawrence lawrence or something yeah. like that uh but he basically has this it's not really a cult because it is kind of but it's like hypnosis yeah like eternal hypnotic suggestion and astral projection like where he like eternal the operating system yeah eternalos which so weird yeah he just overwrites people's brains and kind of takes over it's, it's Which, all very cool. I mean, not for that. By the but. way, <laughs> I googled hypnotic suggestion, and there are seven places in San Antonio that you can go to, and I just found that creepy. <laughs> yeah. Seven. They're like, it's a thriving enough business that there are seven in this city. I thought that was weird. That is very strange. <laughs> uh, and <but> scary. <laughs> right. The other... Um, I did have Edie written down, um, who used to be Eddie, 
and was friends with Chandra in childhood and, mm-hmm. had, you know, Chandra moved away for the star cops and, um, and so Edie's been obsessed with her and the, the person that you think she is when she's first introduced is not who she turns out to be. You know, right. I first thought she was going to be, um, like creepy stalker. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it turns out she's just like a super fan that was, you know what I mean? Like, ah, it's, but yeah. like friends. She's, she's a, a fun character. Um, and, and also you know, a sad character. Right. But. And, you know, Celie definitely uses her as, um, to make some more, some more stuff. I mean, this, I don't know, the story reaches in so many different directions because she's like a, a, a transgender prostitute. In the middle of transitioning right. to a woman. <laughs> and, and they talk a lot about, um, you know, her struggles with, you know, perception and societal norms and, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how her even existing is, I don't even know. They, they just, obviously they describe it really well in the book cause they wrote it, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, there's a lot going on there as well. Uh, but ultimately she really just wants to help and, mm-hmm. um, and does help. And, you know, it's, it's all very, um, they try to keep it, I think, grounded in reality too, as far as who, like, they don't really have jurisdiction to just do whatever they want and track down, you know, Mm -hmm. chase down this case. But, and then by issue four, they also bring in this whole, um, like established religion versus the occult kind of thing where there are these mercenaries of established religion who are just like yeah, I know. will do go through go to any lengths to protect what they have uh versus like st- startups basically like this eternalos and it, it's it's crazy it's there's a lot going on yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about it it's <laughs> there's a lot but it doesn't i mean I, I don't think it's confusing so much as it's just like you think back and then you remember another thing that's going on with it, but I'm not like not getting what's happening really, you know? Right. I mean, I'm forgetting certain things just because of time passing, but it's not because it wasn't done in a way where like it, the information's not there for me. Yeah. So the next arc, uh, I, I don't know when it's going to start back up. If there's going to be a break, um, or or what pattern they're going to follow. I guess they haven't um, been in the previews catalog for a couple months, but, uh, and actually I don't think the next arc starts with issue number seven. Cause in the back of number six, they said issue number seven was going to be uh guest artist, Mike Norton, who does the art in revival with Tim Seeley. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be like a history of the Lawrence Loritz guy that wrote star cops. So, um, I don't know. It's very good. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Smart. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else on effigy? No. no. You have a, a notable. I guess so. It's kind of lame. Okay. <laughs>
Well, I... Father's Day just came by a month ago, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, sometimes I don't plan very well, but... You know, listening to podcasts, lots of ads and stuff, and there's the one for Framebridge that I'm hearing all the time. I tried it, and it's great. You just have to plan ahead if you're because these things take time. It's not to order on a deadline. Yes, unless your deadline is a month away. Yes. <laughs> so it we I ordered you one of their Instagram frames, and I think it came out really nice. It did. And they're not expensive, and it's free shipping. Um, it's hanging on the wall right next to me. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it, it turned out and would definitely use them again. So I think that's notable. Just, you know, cool frame bridge. Yeah, I like okay. that they have the option, like, you know, you they put your picture, like, in the app mm-hmm. in the different, with different mats and, like, the different frames. and But they also will, like, you can, like, let them decide. And it's not just digital. I mean, that makes it easy when it's digital because it'll like connect yeah, right to your about, Instagram, but you can also mail stuff into them. You were talking about sending in your Cliff Chang Wonder Woman print. Yeah. Getting that framed through them. Uh, I do. I really like it. I'm a sucker for these um, kind of weather worn. I know. That's why I picked yeah. it. <laughs> but um, it is very nice. I, I haven't heard the ad like anywhere except for the Happier podcast. Is it on more? Yeah, but I can't remember what. Yeah. Um, gosh. It's on another Slate podcast. That's why yeah. I listen to several Slate podcasts. And you only listen to, like, well, and, and uh, Lexicon Valley. So, too. Lexicon Valley and... Happier. No, that's not uh, Slate. It's not? No. It's a... Uh... Panoply, which is, sna- which is Slate. Like, Slate and Panoply all. It's like, Slate is part of Panoply. Network. I just I thought if it was Slate, they would have said Slate somewhere in the well, like the just because they do some Slate podcasts on the Panoply Network doesn't mean it's okay. So maybe, but they're related somehow. I mean, that's... yeah, whatever. Either way, it's the frame is very nice. <laughs> yes, and that's where I hear more Framebridge advertisements. <laughs> so Framebridge, mm-hmm. very cool. Yes, I like it. I've also seen the ad on Twitter. And on Facebook. I wonder if it's because it like accesses my information and has seen that I've checked it out. Probably. Checked out the website, which is kind of creepy, actually. When you think about it like that. But whatever. I like it. Yeah. It, it turned out really well. So um, my notable, I feel like, is well past freshness date. I don't know. Like, it, it would have been really timely if we had recorded a week ago, but we just didn't have time. So, uh, I had to do the Spider-Man news because there was a lot going on with... They they cast the new Spider-Man, and he's going to be uh, Tom Holland, who is, you know, very young. He's 19, but he looks like he's about 16. And he was in The Impossible and Wolf Hall. And it's going to be directed by John Watts, who um, I don't think has too many credits to his name, which is interesting. But uh, he has this film at Sundance this year called Cop Car. It's got Kevin Bacon. I watched like a two and a half minute trailer for it. It looks pretty good. Um, But 
Yeah, so they're going for the very, very teenage Spider-Man, and they're even going to go for, like, a John Hughes-inspired kind of, uh, you know, for a standalone film, which, I don't know, I mean, there's a lot going on with the Spider-Man character, because, you know, Marvel and Sony reached this agreement where Marvel can use him in in their Marvel films, you know, that's why they had to cast him right away, because they're already filming... Uh, Captain America Civil War, which Spider-Man has a big part in, and so they need to use him for that. But Sony is still going to do the, the standalone movie, but it's going to be produced by, you know, Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal kind of together, and it's it's all very interesting. I, I don't know, it's, it's really cool that they're kind of sharing the rights to this character and that he's going to kind of cross over between studios yeah. and it seems smart to do it that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's smart for Sony especially because they will get, I think more revenue in the long run that way than sort of holding him hostage yeah. as a, holding that character hostage. But and they did another, I don't know if it was another Reddit AMA with Kevin Feige or, uh, or what it was, but they talked about, or he talked about how right now their contract with Sony doesn't allow them to um, kind of include Spider-Man in, in any of their Netflix series, but he said, you know, never rule anything out and for conjecture that that'd be a good way to tie in the street level Marvel Netflix stuff with the greater Avengers because hmm. Spider-Man is kind of uh, one and kind of foot in both worlds. Right. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on where they had leaked documents where, uh, you know, the contract with Sony said Spider-Man has to be this, this, and this, which, you know, he has to be white, he can't, he has to be heterosexual, he has to be all these things, which is funny because in the Marvel Secret Wars stuff going on right now, That's what nice. I've heard, they're making Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. The I mean, action, he show, like he the Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what's happening to Peter Parker in the comic books, but um, yeah. So there's a lot of Spider-Man news that I just wanted to. That's very exciting. Yeah. And I've heard none of it, so it, it well, was very new for me. There you go. <laughs> um, I do still want Spider-Gwen leggings. Right. I am aware. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's. Probably going to wrap up the episode unless you have anything else. No. So we are at GeekChew on Twitter. You can reach out to us if you want to there. You can contact us on our website, geekchew.com, where you can also download the podcast. Um, you can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, leave a review, a rating. And uh, we also have email, Facebook. Our email is geekchew at gmail.com. Facebook and, uh, is facebook.com slash geekchew. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think if you just search geekchew, it'll probably come up. But, probably. Um, yeah, so sorry we missed a week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes things happen. And we tried to record last night, but there were fireworks going off for the 4th of July, so that also didn't that didn't work for us. But uh, here we are now. So I will never get used to people like two doors down just shooting off fireworks it's such a norm like here 
And where we lived in South Carolina, people just like, I just don't get it. Yeah. I guess because I grew up in Massachusetts where like the most we had were sparklers. <laughs> so. Yeah. They were but, really good sparklers though. Right. Not like the chintzy ones that we find here. Like they were good with like the metal handles. Yeah. The I bet one. they were dangerous too. No. <laughs> they weren't. But, um, yeah, I guess that'll just about do it. So, unless you have anything else. Nope. Great. <laughs> it was fun. It was smart. We liked it. <laughs>